to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week we have kind of a throwback episode where we are doing the format where we each researched a topic independently and we both don't know anything about what the other person researched other than like the name of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, Both unsolved murders or mysteries? Unsolved deaths. Unsolved deaths. I'll have to say. I'm pretty sure yours. Mine is definitely a murder. Definitely a murder. A series of murders. Mine is not definitely a murder. Interesting. But maybe. For sure a death though. Okay. That's good. That's that's the kind of vagueness that we need in an episode of Unknowable. Exactly. So just to tee you up. Yeah. Murder? (laughs) Maybe. It, I mean, I, you'll see. Yeah. So I'm doing uh, Joshua Maddox, who is also known as the boy in the chimney. Which I have literally heard of in that I've read the name, but I have no idea what the, the details of the case are. Perfect. I didn't even know his name was Joshua Maddox. I did not either, but. Interesting. Yeah. And you're doing. The Setagaya family murders, also known as the Miyazawa family murders. Hmm. Yeah, I literally heard the name of this mystery Within the past week. Nice. That's good. Not even from you. I think I heard, I saw it on Reddit and then you told me what you were doing, the actual oh, name of what oh. you were doing, like the day after. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I just heard about that. But I didn't Google it or anything. So I have no clue except that it's a murder. I didn't know anything about this until I started doing the research for it. I was reading through Unsolved Mysteries and I read this one and I was like, ooh. ooh. And you'll see the sort of breadcrumbs that led me to find this interesting as we start to talk about it. Yeah. This is going to be fascinating. All right. So I'm going first. You're going first. All right. All right, so the year is 2000 in Setagaya, Japan. So Setagaya is a suburb of Tokyo. Okay. It's kind of like a, um, you know, Tokyo is one of the most densely populated cities on earth. But Setagaya is kind of like a uh, more like scenic, less busy, um, kind of like family oriented um, suburb of Tokyo. Um, This family, the... Miyazawa's lived in a house that was kind of like in a park, like the backside of the house had a fence and beyond that fence was the park and they were kind of like fully surrounded by a park <laughs> and then a road on one side. Um, so the, the family lived in sort of like a duplex. So it was a family of four dad, mom, two kids lived in one half of the duplex and the other half of the duplex, the mom's family lived Okay. Including the mother of the moms, like the grandma. Um, She will factor in later. So the Miyazawa family, we'll just start with them. So there's Mikio Miyazawa. He was 44. He was the patriarch of the family. Um, Worked for some kind of like tech company called Interbrand. Weird little anecdote is the year before the murder, 1999. Um, His company branded the term Wi-Fi. Whoa. Not that he was like super high up or anything. He just kind of worked for him. He was like a, a, a salary man, as they mm. call him in Japan. But anyways, that's just a little side note. It's pretty cool. Um, Yasuko was his wife. She was 41. Um, she was a teacher. Spent a lot of time with the two children. Um, the other two kids are Niina. It's like Nina with two eyes. Okay. I, I apologize to anybody who actually speaks Japanese because I'm going to butcher so many words. Here. Yeah. Um, so she was an eight-year-old girl. Uh, she was in second grade, just classic little girl, playful, fun, soccer and ballet. And then there was Ray, who was six, the youngest. Um, she was kind of having a hard time at this time because she had a speech impediment that she was trying to get through. Um, and it was apparently causing the family a lot of stress. 
which seems kind of shitty. Like, just like, who cares? Anyways. So anyways, family of four, um, living in this, you know, quiet house, the, the people who knew them were just like, oh yeah, just like classic, classic Japanese family, no enemies, nothing crazy. Um, so in the weeks before the murder, which spoiler alert, they're going to get murdered. Um, (laughs) spoiler in the weeks before the murder. Um, so in the, in the park that was, their house was kind of like in, there was a skate park that was directly behind. Interesting. For anybody who doesn't know, I'm an avid skateboarder. Yes. I've paid attention to skateboarding culture for a long time. Um, so it was like directly behind the house separated only by a fence. So in the weeks before the murder, um, Mikio, the dad, had apparently had kind of like beef with some kids who were there. They were making too much. They were making too much noise, and he confronted them and yelled at them. Um, a witness also reported seeing him confront a group of rebels that belonged to the Bosozoku, a Japanese motorcycle gang of sorts. Wow, of sorts, of sorts. So mm-hmm. he was basically yelling, like you know, classic, like "damn kids making too much noise at the skate park." Yeah. So that may or may not be related. You'll see oh, why that may or may not be related. Shit. Um, another also weird side note, just to add context before the murder. Mm. Um, in the summer months leading up to the murder, which the murder takes place on uh, December 31st, okay. so New Year's Eve. Um, so in the summer months leading up to the murder, um, the community had started to notice some of the area's animals being physically tormented. Oh, um, rodents found that were killed local cats mostly strays had been tortured one eyewitness had seen stray cats that used to be friendly and then suddenly appeared without a tail one day oh so may or may not be related that's good which is just fucked up and awful yeah so real bad. i don't like i don't like animals being hurt no so that may or may not be related Ugh. all right so it's family of four that's just some context yep so the night of the murders the they basically uh, I've read several stories. They go into very granular detail about the day of the murders yeah. and the night of the murders. Um, there's a few sort of like maybe this was something that add context to the night. Uh, to me, I've basically cut out anything that I seem that seems like uncorroborated or just seems like kind of a stretch. Like people admitted to hospitals with defensive wounds or like these set of three guys who got into a taxi cab that one of them apparently had blood on them, stuff like that. Like, it's like kind of maybe, and it's like, oh, like this one station was like, you know, two hours north of Tokyo and this guy was like admitted with like a knife wound in his hand. And it's like that, I mean, I guess maybe, but like yeah. it just seemed thin. So I'm going to go with stuff that seems super relevant or that was found in the immediate vicinity. Okay. Um, so basically by all accounts, they had a relatively normal day, um, you know, went to work, came home. Um, the last recorded activity of the Miyazawa family um, was Mikio, the dad, was reading a work email, um, and he signed in at 10.38 p.m. to read a work email. And he used a, a password, so it's likely he personally got on the computer. That will come up later. Okay. Um, so around 10 o'clock that evening, a witness walking along the path behind the Miyazawa house, because there's a, a public park there, heard what sounded like an argument taking place inside the house. No loud physical noises or anything particularly earth-shattering, but they said it sounded like a couple getting in a heated argument around mm-hmm. 10. And then 10.38 is the last recorded um, like activity that we can say for sure was the family. Which makes it interesting if they got into a fight and then he was like, I'll check my email. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like in a midst of a fight that maybe ended in death, Right. he's like, shit, I really got to make sure I get that email off to Jeff. Right. 
And it's weird because I thought that same thing, like, ooh, like a fight and then a whole family's murdered. But he, I don't think, unless he somehow murdered himself brutally. I don't know. <laughs> True. Which yeah, is, he was murdered. It's possible. Okay. All right. Well, but not probable. Interesting though still. Yeah. Right. We'll see. We'll all see. Right. Um, all right. So we will get into the murders themselves. So they presumably go to bed like normal um, around 11. So the killer cut the phone line outside of the house, climbed up through a window on the second floor bathroom. So he climbed a tree to get into the bathroom. Jesus. Um, pulled like a screen off the window, opened the window, climbed in. Um, he went straight to Ray's room, the youngest, the Mm. six year old and strangled her in her bed. She was very likely the first to die. Um, then he went and it's very unclear of like what was happening when, um, cause there's just a lot of blood and a lot of gore and everything. Um, but um, it's likely that Mickey O, the dad, uh, heard some kind of disturbance, rushed up the first floor stairs after he dis- detected the disturbance, um, and fought and injured the killer after being stabbed in the head with a sashimi knife. Whoa. So the dad was found at like the bottom of the stairs. So it's likely, you know, killer comes in the second floor window, strangles the little boy Ray. Um, the dad hears it, runs up the stairs, gets in a fight. The killer is injured during the fight, but then manages to stab the dad in the head, which is fucking wild. God falls down the stairs and is dead. Um, a piece of the knife broke off inside of his head. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. That's a, woo. That's not okay. Um, the killer then attacked Yasuku and Niina with the broken knife. Um, and for whatever reason, I guess it wasn't stabbing well enough or killing them well enough. He brought this knife with him. So the knife that broke, he had brought with him. Okay. So he ditches the knife that's broken, goes into their kitchen, grabs another kitchen knife from their kitchen, and then finishes off Naina and Yasuko. Damn. So, yeah, just brutal. Um, the dad was killed basically with, like, the minimum amount of force necessary to kill him. Naina and Yasuko were very violently stabbed, way like, way ton of overkill. Damn. So clearly this dude focused more on the women than the men. He mm-hmm. quietly strangled the little boy, killed the dad in as, with as much force as he needed to, but then really took his time stabbing. The, there was no sexual assault, but definitely killed the mom and the daughter in very brutal ways. God. Um, so yeah, like I said, he brought his own knife. It was a sashimi knife, which was purchased from a grocery store in the neighborhood a few days before. Oh, wow. Um, they described the guy who who supposedly bought it. Cause he was like the only one who bought it that day. Um, <laughs> more on that later, but, um, he just left the knives there. So he brought one knife, broke off in the dude's head, grabbed another knife from the kitchen and stabbed. It, it was more like a, a crime of opportunity. Mm. Um, so when the police show, so the next morning, the, uh, grandma who's living in the duplex next door, no. is like calling her daughter, uh, the mom, Yasuko, trying to be like, yo, you know, what's up? But like the phone not only wasn't ringing because like the, the phone line was cut. So she goes over there and um, there's debate on whether or not the door was locked when she got there. She she initially remembered having to unlock the door, meaning that like he must have gone out through the window or something and not through the front door, but then maybe it was unlocked. Not a super important detail. Yeah. Um, so she goes in and she finds this whole murdered family. The worst thing ever. Super awful and super terrible. God. So she calls the police. Um, so then 
the really creepy part about all of this is the killer killed the family and then spent several hours in the house. No. Afterwards. Oh yeah. It's like the Hinder Kaifek murders. Exactly. Right. Um, pretty much. Yeah. It's actually very similar because, um, like things like, all right, so I'm just going to go into it. So the crime scene. Yeah. Um, the family's first aid kit had been opened likely by Yasuko and Naina sometime during the assault itself because it, only their blood was on this thing. Oh, wow. So it's, it's likely that he was attacking the mom and sister and they somehow got away from him. Everybody, like they think that, um, Mikio, when he attacked the, um, the killer, he like cut himself pretty bad cause his blood was all over as well. Mm. Um, and so while he was going to go give himself first aid, they had been injured already and had gone to the the um, first aid kit and were trying to provide first aid for themselves because their blood was all over it. Damn. Um, so they found the first aid kit was open and they had used it during the murder. Um, in the upstairs bathroom, the police found unflushed feces. Oh. The murderer took a shit. What the fuck? And did not flush it. Oh, my God. Um, so... He and they looked at the shit, which it's somebody's unfortunate job to have to do that. Wow. They found remnants of a sesame spinach dish containing string beans. That is horrifying. Which had likely been eaten elsewhere. And a bunch of people on the internet in the age of the, this was like the age of the internet. They said basically that seemed like the kind of meal that a mother would make for their son. Um, pretty bland and like just like a healthy meal. Hmm. Um, not one that it, somebody would make for themselves. Um which that plus another couple other details make people think this might have been somebody who still lived with their mother. Ugh. That's one thing. God. Um, they found um, basically this dude just got his DNA, fingerprints, and like footprints fucking everywhere. Yeah. And didn't try to cover up any of it. Um, he left a ton of shit too. Like, for example, both murder weapons. His blood was all over. Um, they found a shoe, like a bunch of shoe prints. This very specific, it's called a slazenger shoe which i think that's a brand name mm. um just picture like the the most like crispy white dad shoe <laughs> and that's exactly what it is perfect um, like wicked 90s um and the shoe size that this killer was like so this shoe was sold all over japan but the, the specific size that this shoe was was only sold in korea oh so it's a korean shoe size korea is going to come up later interesting um so, it, you know, maybe they were only for sale in South Korea. Maybe this person was Korean. Um, there was also um, towels and women's sanitation towels, which I'm assuming is like pads. Sure. Um, which were found with unknown blood on them. So the murderer likely, so like during the fight, the murderer probably got that defensive wound and went into like a bathroom and used whatever he could find, which was just like pads and towels and stuff to wipe up his own blood. Damn. His blood's fucking everywhere. They, everywhere. Have, they have a ton of this dude's DNA. <laughs> if not from the blood, then from the shit. Like the worst thing. The worst thing. What the hell? So that's just kind of like the, the initial thing that they find. Um, so here's what they were able to deduce after like really going in and like searching the house. So the unsub... Took a nap on the family's living room sofa. What? After murdering a family of four, you Wait, just lay down and take a nap. How do they know he took a nap? I'm assuming because there was like a blanket and stuff laid out or the way that like <sighs> like his like DNA and stuff or like, like the blood or something was on the couch. But they're very mm. – it's not even like a question. Like he took a nap on that sofa. How do you – okay. The yeah. shit makes sense. Mm -hmm. I could see yeah. maybe if you were like hopped like up nervous. on adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I almost – was all good. 
ask you if you knew the consistency oh. of the shit. Like, because I could see, not that I've ever murdered a whole family before. Right. Just that we know of. <laughs> disclaimer, I'm not an expert on murdering families. But I could see that if you did something like that, that maybe you're like your blood would be pumping yeah. and you'd be like, I need in adrenaline shit. shit. Yeah. You know, when you're like super nervous and you get that feeling like you're in a shit, you're saying, Oh yeah, yeah, I can get that. Yeah. So, but taking a nap means that he probably just had a normal shit. Yeah. Which what is like weird. Hell? He just had a shit, took a, took a nap. Um, he held himself to food from the family's fridge. Oh, come on. He ate, uh, he made himself barley tea. Um, he oh. had some melon from the fridge and he ate a bunch of ice cream, like a bunch, like four, what? four things of, um, like four sticks of ice, like, uh, they call them like popsicles kind of. Yeah. So I'm assuming like a ice cream bar thing. He had like what? four of them. They found those wrappers. This is not the behavior of somebody who's upset about what they've done. No. And very childish, isn't it? Yeah. Ice cream. Yeah. To just, yeah. Raid the fridge. Mm-hmm. Maybe he thought it was like funny take to a take shit, a shit not, in their house. Not. Yeah. Right. Very and childish. Not flush. What the hell? We'll like they could have been, I mean, I just can't. He also used the family's computer. Okay. So he went on and um, what's weird is that he didn't go anywhere on the computer other than websites that were already previously bookmarked by Mickey O on his computer. Interesting. He checked out the, the mom was a teacher and she also worked at like a, a theater company. So he went on like that theater company website. He went on the website for Mickey O's like uh, tech company that he worked for. Um, he like signed on signed off and then signed back on and tried to buy tickets for a show to the theater that Yasuko worked at. What? Didn't effectively do it. It's very strange why he did that. Um, didn't do it. And then he shut the computer off and unplugged it from the wall. Um, so I think that this coincides. So he also had gathered an assortment of the family's IDs and credit cards, which were found sorted in the family's living room nearby the sofa that he slept in. Um, They have speculated that he was trying to guess the pin codes needed to use the cards. Mm. And once he realized he was going to need to leave the scene, he probably just left all that shit realizing it would be um, a bad idea. So I think he might have gone on. He was fucking around on the computer and then got off and he's like, man, I want to see if I can like figure out the pin code to these cards. And was like, oh, wait, I can go on that website and try to buy tickets. And if I can figure out the pin on that website, Mm. then I could figure out if I can use these cards or not. Yeah. Kind of smart. I think that's what was happening. Interesting. But he didn't actually go through with it. He sh- um, he was on a computer for a grand total of 10 minutes and then unplugged it from the wall. Weird. Um, and so before leaving, he had also gathered an odd variety of the family's belongings and garbage and put them in the bathtub for whatever reason. What? Um, these items included like garbage, such as the ice cream wrappers, advertising and leaflets that had been cut up. Um, also contained some of Mikio's work receipts and Yasuko's school documents, along with some feminine sanitary items containing the killer's blood. Um, and so he just like dumped all this crap in the bathtub and then didn't do anything with it. So they're thinking like maybe he was trying to like do some sort of like, um, like forensic countermeasures. Like he was going to throw all that stuff in the bathtub and then like fill it up. So it would, or like pour bleach on it or something. Yeah. Um, but he didn't actually go through with it. So, or maybe he realized as he was gathering it up, he's like, dude, my, my, my blood is everywhere. And I yeah. took that shit upstairs. Like he's like, <laughs> so no like, chance. it's just, it's just strange. He just dumped all this stuff in the bathtub, but then what? like didn't do anything with it. Um, after sleeping in the Miyazawa home for a few hours, um, he had stolen some money from the family right around like a thousand bucks us. Um, but he also left a large amount of money that was in the den right next to the computer that he was on the 
like like looking at. Yeah. So it wasn't just straight robbery, and he didn't steal all the money. Jesus. Not only that, he also left the outfit that he murdered them in, in the house. I'm so frustrated. So frustrated. It's very strange. What the hell? So it's, they were described as like skateboarding gear. Hmm. So a gray crusher hat, which I think is a brand name. Sure. Um, black air tech jacket, uh, white and purple long sleeve shirt, black Edwin gloves, a multicolored scarf without any tags and a black handkerchief that had been ironed more on that later. Hmm. So we'll post the picture. We already posted it on Noble once of the um, Japanese um, like police uh, poster to try to catch this guy. And if you look at it, dude looks like straight hip hopped out. Mm -hmm. Like he's got like a bucket hat on. Like it's almost looks like a track suit. It's a very confusing photo if you don't know what it is. Oh, it very much. Which I did not know. It looked, it looked almost like a band advertisement or something. It was, Um, and by the way, nobody guessed (laughs) what the topic was like. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, it's a very strange outfit, but yeah, looked like, you know, as someone who pays attention to a lot of skateboarding, looked like, like a hip hop dude in the nineties. Yeah. Um, the shoes even aren't super hip hop shoes. Um, but then again, in the nineties, people skated in like the most ridiculous shoes that you're like, people wore those like <laughs> made specifically for skateboarding. So it's possible that he was just wearing some weird like dad shoes. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also strange that he wore all of this there and took it all off and left it at the house. Yeah. Either so, he's like confused or doesn't understand forensics. Right. I don't know. How so how much of his clothing did he leave? He left shirt, hat, jacket, gloves, and a scarf, and then a handkerchief. Hmm, okay. So he's still wearing pants. So yeah, he's still clothed when he left, but Yeah. And he presumably had other other ones as well. Weird. Like ditch that stuff somewhere else. Right. And literally anywhere else. Anywhere else. Um, or like the knives as well. But um so <laughs> the person remember how I mentioned how that the knife that was used in the murder that he brought with him had been purchased at a supermarket mm. a few days before the person who purchased the knife was said to be wearing quote, like skater clothing. Interesting. So there's a lot of skateboarders coming up a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, so the handkerchief, I mentioned it was ironed. That's interesting because so, so far we're painting a picture of a relatively immature person. He's wearing like, you know, skateboarding outfit. He like took a shit. He doesn't clearly like, <laughs> And like didn't flush, um, the idea of like him living with his mom still. Yeah. Um, so this seems like a pretty sloppy person. Like this whole thing is sloppy. Um, and yet the handkerchief being ironed is interesting because that also points to either him living with his mom who would like iron the handkerchief for him, or he has some sort of discipline that has been instilled in him from something like, Oh, say the military. Okay. More on that, more on that later. So interesting. Ironed handkerchief. Keep that in mind. Um, he also left a fucking bag, which I'm assuming he brought the bag. Like it's called like a hip bag. It's like a common. It's like it's like a a really big fanny pack kind of. I was of. gonna say yeah. Um, which I'm assuming he brought his um, like his extra change of clothes in, or maybe like brought like the murder weapon and everything. But he left the bag there. Um, it had um, a like a, a a bunch of sand at the bottom of it, like like trace amounts of sand from mm. you know just using it or whatever. And apparently sand is something that you can really like, like trace well okay. um, and get to a pretty like within like a hundred mile geographic radius of where it probably originated from. Dang. And it originated from right in like the Los Angeles area. Whoa. So. Okay. That confuses things. That does confuse things, doesn't it? Hmm. Which they said this could mean nothing because he could have bought it on eBay. It could have been from a thrift store. Right. Or he could have, you know, actually been either from 
the Los Angeles area, which there's a lot of skateboarders in Los Angeles. True. Um, so take that for what it is. In the bag was also um, a piece of grip tape, like from a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Um, the ironed handkerchief had trace elements of the male cologne Dracar Noir. Oh, I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the, like you were on board until that. <laughs> like, this guy seems kind of like, cool. Oh, Dracar cool. Noir. What the hell? Um, so also another weird like super minuscule thing was the clothes had been washed using hard water, meaning like water with dissolved minerals. Mm -hmm. Whereas Japan since like, like for a long time had been on a soft water system. So all public water was soft water. Okay. Korea, South Korea has a hard, doesn't have soft water. It's mostly hard water that they wash clothes with. A lot of this points to him being Korean in origin or having spent time in Korea. Yeah. Um, which more on that later as well. Um, yeah, he had the, the the grip tape in his bag. Um, they also point out, you know, not only is the the idea that he could potentially be from Los Angeles, but there's also Edwards Air Force Base right there. Japan, since World War II, has had a huge presence of U.S. soldiers there. Hmm. Um, so the idea was that it could be um, an American soldier or somebody who's at one of the Air Force bases in Japan committed this murder. Whoa. Um, and the ironed handkerchief could be that he has his like military training. But I feel like I don't put a lot of credence into that because the rest of this is just so sloppy. Right. And like he left behind so many like clues basically to who he was. And so he must have, I don't, I don't buy that he like had military training. Like disciplined enough to iron his handkerchief, but not to care an ounce about all of this evidence at this house. It doesn't make sense. Washing a fucking toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Like just the, basic things like yeah don't strip your clothes off and leave them behind right that just yeah that doesn't fit i don't i don't buy that um so that's basically the like that's what we have that's like the what we know about the case um in 2006 they finally did like a bunch of dna testing like similar to with the golden state killer Mm. um uh, and they did um they didn't they couldn't find any matches DNA wise. They couldn't find any matches fingerprint wise. Um, they did a bunch. They like, there was all this, all this stuff poured in, of course. Like for example, somebody supposedly saw three men in business suits get into the back of a taxi the night of the murder. And one of them was covered in blood and they were like really quiet the whole time. Hmm. Um, or this guy, um, the next morning after the murder got off, um, like the train two hours North of Tokyo and had a hand wound that was bad enough that it was down to the bone and didn't give his name or any reason why he got the thing. It was super calm, you know, maybe, yeah. who knows? Sure. I, they just seem there. There's not enough corroborating evidence that I'm going to like say that that's definitely like connected. Um, there was also like a Buddha statue that was found in like the river that's in the park mm. that was supposedly put there. That may or may not have been from the killer and like remorse, but that just seems super flimsy as well. Yeah. Um, there's also the, a couple of the neighbors had said that like they saw like a strange car parked outside of the um, house in the week leading up to it. I don't know. It doesn't seem yeah. like that could be anything because it's a public park. Right. Um, yeah. There was really no, there was no, no leads, no suspects. Um, all they had was like the DNA. So they tested the DNA, no results. They decided to do like a genome test. Um, and they found that the killer was mixed race and probably not a Japanese citizen. Um, 
he had a male, like his father was probably Japanese, <laughs> but his mother was um, Adriatic, somewhere in the Mediterranean, okay. probably Hispanic, as in like literally Spain. Interesting. Um, but the DNA markers that his dad had weren't necessarily Japanese. They're also shared by those of Chinese and Korean descent. Oh, shit. So, yeah. That's that's it? That's it. No. That's it. Come on. I mean, so, there's like some weird part of me that was like, how does this end? Like, who's the killer? And I'm like, wait. Wait, unsolved. What's, what's the show that Still we're on unsolved. Here? So it's... What? It's interesting because I feel like nowadays we have so much like fingerprints, DNA, like they could do the, the, the Golden State thing and just have people... Um, like submit it to one of those, like there's so many people whose DNA is on there. They'd find some breadcrumb somewhere. Yeah. Um, actually this case was big enough that they decided. Um, so the statute of limitation for murder in Japan was, I think it was like 10 or 15 years or something. Yeah. So at some point it was going to run out. Like it would have already run out by now and the killer could have got off scot-free. So in 2010, Japanese parliament voted to abolish the statute of limitation for murder almost directly because of this case. Whoa. Just in case they ever, get more information about it, they can actually prosecute this person. Damn. So a big deal murdering a whole family. Oh yeah. Including two small children. Brutal. Yeah. Strangling a child, stabbing another child to death and then living in their house for the next few hours. Yeah. That's fucked. And like eating their food and stuff. So this is my, this is my theory. Yeah. I knew you had a theory. Of course I do. You've like, just spoiler alert for my thing. I have like five theories. Nice. I can't decide. I've, there's like, you know, there's a lot that could be here, but I think that the skateboarder angle makes the most sense. Like there's direct, yeah. There's direct evidence pointing to a skateboarder. Not only like oh, the yeah. clothing, but also like like the little bit of grip tape in the bag, um, the proximity of the skate park, the whole um, dad having a fight with skateboarders earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the dad got in some kind of fight with skateboarders. Um, maybe one of these skateboarders is, you know, living in Tokyo, um, is from Korea or is visiting from Korea and whatever has a chip on his shoulder. Um, maybe, you know, since the, so what's interesting is that the clothes were washed wearing using hard water, Mm, which would have had to have happened in Korea. So you figure his clothing would have had to have been washed, you know, relatively recently in Korea. Maybe unless you could have it washed in hard water and then wash in soft water a few times, it would still retain the minerals. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an expert on hard and soft water. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Damn. So I, mean, I feel like they, he would have had to have recently come from Korea. And like maybe I like ugh, this kind of thing is so like open because you just don't like mm-hmm. what if he was, I don't know had family in both places and like spent prolonged periods. Like who knows how long it had been since he had brought this clothing from Korea before like wearing it. Like maybe he hadn't worn it in a while, you know, if you're like visiting for like a month or something or even like the summer, I guess it was winter, but still visiting for a few months. Maybe you brought a bunch of clothes Hmm. or something and he like hadn't worn it yet. I don't know. And yeah, I don't know. Broke out his freshest fit for the murder night. Right. He's like, I got to look good for this. But then left it there. Right. Yeah. Left it there. Or is it, is that just too convenient? Is the whole like him leaving behind skateboarder clothing, clothing and dressing like a skateboarder? Maybe the fact that the shoes weren't skate shoes is actually pretty telling. Maybe this person saw Mikio have a fight right. with the skateboarders and this dude was just a, clearly like a sociopath. Yeah. Saw him have the fight with him and then dressed like what he thought a skater looked like hmm. and got it pretty right down to the, sh- except he fucked up with the shoes. 
and then went in, murdered the family, left the clothing behind to really like hammer home like it was skateboarders, put the grip tape in the bag like it was skateboarders, <laughs> and then dipped like, out. Took a shit in the toilet and was like it was skateboarders. Yeah, it, was skateboarders. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a kid that did this. I just I I I don't it doesn't seem that smart to me. No, like the I fact mean, that he left his DNA and his like blood like everywhere. Yeah. And just left the knives there and like left the, it just seems to me like it's just like a sloppy, like a kid who planned up until the moment of the murders, but then didn't plan anything else. Right. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to bust in there, like breaking in cool. Right. Which yeah, you think if it was somebody who wasn't one of the skaters who saw that fight and was like, cool opportunity to pin this on somebody else. Right. I mean, I guess that can, that can both be a sign of like planning, like, Ooh, I'm going to take advantage of this. This is like kind of sneaky and clever. Right. But that is also kind of a spontaneous thing. Cause he might've just right. you had a desire to, kill you wouldn't be able to plan for that like wait for him to have an argument with the skateboarders right yeah so that was just like he happened to notice it and was like hmm right and I, killing the one kid first at yeah. least means that it's not like he came in planning to rob it let's say right if that i mean which still doesn't match with the not taking all the money but say mm-hmm. he just planned to come in and just like fuck Commit shit up. some other crime yeah and then the dad caught him like, why would you go kill the kid first if that wasn't... That had to have been his goal right. was to kill you at least one person. break into a house and the first thing that you do is strangle a six-year-old in yeah. the bed. Because I could see breaking in, dad hearing him, coming up to check it out, mm-hmm. panicking. Killing the dad. Killing the dad and then being like, well, shit, now I got to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But killing the kid first... Yeah. Was clearly, like, premeditated. Yeah. At the very and least, the fact yeah. That he like, strangled the kid, too. Yeah. It's mean, a very intimate... Like, that's that shows a sort of, like desire to like feel the life drain out of somebody oh yeah because even i'd even feel pretty fucked up if he had strangled the dad Mm -hmm. even in the midst but i could almost i could see that that could be like a moment of panic right and anger maybe that the dad like fucked up his plan but yeah Mm -hmm. killing a kid especially a kid that's in bed it's not even like that kid caught you oh yeah you went into their bedroom while they were sleeping probably woke them up by strangling them jesus yeah so I think it was a, I think it was a, a, you know, a kid who was at the skate park, which I don't want to cast aspersions on skateboarders because right. I myself was one, right. but there are some, you know, there's some fucked up people who get into skateboarding. Of course there is. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a kid who was at the skate park who was just kind of a, a, a dark and disturbed child who, um, was just old enough to be able to carry out the murder of four people, but just young enough to not know how to do it. Right. Right. Um, and probably had some kind, I mean, the whole homicidal triad, the months leading up to the murder, where there was all those pets that were being yeah. attacked and killed Somebody and maimed. Somebody was leading up to that. Right. I wonder, oh, I wonder how like the fires and stuff in that situation were, if there were maybe somebody lighting fires as well. Hmm. So it seems like almost like an escalation. Like this kid comes in, maybe this kid's from Korea. Like you said, like he splits his time between South Korea and Japan and this, like this neighborhood in Japan. Yeah. Um, And he spends time there and he's, you know, torturing animals and doing all kinds of awful shit and skateboarding at the same time. And then has this interaction with the dad and he's like, well, fuck this guy. He can't tell me what to do. And I was like, you know, it'll show him murdering his whole family. Or maybe, maybe he only meant to like kill the kid. What if like his plan was just to go in, strangle the kid and then like hop back out the window so that like his kid like died in the bed or whatever. Damn. But then, like, you know, the dad hears and comes up and then it escalates from there. And then he's like, well, shit, now I got to kill everybody. Well, yeah. Still fucked up and still obviously speaks to, like, sociopathy. Yeah. But then the rest of it is just so haphazard and, like, childish and just dumb. Yeah. Um, he clearly planned enough to bring a change of clothing. So he kind of had some premeditation. 
he also brought the knife. So he yeah. planned on using a knife or maybe he brought the knife for protection. It, I don't know. Again, I still think strangling the kid first. I think the knife. Well, yeah. Like you said, if his plan was just like, I'm going to kill this kid to like show this guy. Mm-hmm. Still risky. Oh, yeah. The knife could have been just for protection in case he was caught. But it seems like. Yeah, it seems like his intention was to kill at least one person. Yeah, to go on like a rampage. It seems too coincidental. Again, teenagers are fucking stupid. They are think, stupid. And think that like they can like do anything. Well, yeah, and I think the idea that he planned enough to like bring the knife and bring the change of clothes is like if you asked like any rando off the street, what do you do to prepare to kill somebody? Like that's kind of like you just like the couple things you'd think of would be like, yeah. Right. But then, yeah, he didn't do anything to cover his tracks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So seems like somebody, not even who just simply panicked, but somebody who was just like, yeah, a blend of inexperienced in life in general and cocky. Because otherwise you would not, right. like, I could see leaving your blood, not trying to clean it up if mm-hmm. you're, if you were just panicking, straight up panicking. Because mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Right. I don't know how to fix this. I'm just going to run out the door. Mm-hmm. But hanging out, going on the computer, yeah. like eating ice cream, mm-hmm. taking a shit, taking all that stuff. Nap. Yeah, taking a nap. That, that is, is not wild that's something that you do if you somehow and that's that's a pretty crazy brand of cocky if you really think right you're chill enough in that moment that you well right every every moment that he spends in that house is a moment that he could get caught yeah that somebody could knock on the door or look through the window or something yeah so the fact that he not only was like calm enough to stay in there for that long but calm enough to take a nap means that his his heart rate probably never got above like a certain amount. Like he was probably super chill that whole time. That's to be able really to terrifying. Then lay down and take a nap. Which I mean, it's a pretty classic, yeah, escalation to go from abusing and killing animals to then oh yeah, wanting to kill a person. Shit. Honestly, again, knowing all of these types of stories and like talking about this type of stuff a lot mm-hmm. always just keeps this stuff fresh in my mind because I have always had the thought like we have some kids in our neighborhood that are annoying. Mm-hmm. And there's always part of me that wants to like tell them off mm-hmm. about things. Cause like they will just set off fireworks late at night right. and just do all kinds of shit where I always want to go down and be like, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? Right. And th- this type of thing always stays in my mind. Yep. Like maybe I'll just like, uh, like, what's the worst? Yeah. I'm just going to deal with it because I'm like, what if they got really pissed and yeah, they're stupid kids and mm-hmm. they've already shown that they're reckless in other mm-hmm. ways. What if, and they know exactly where I live. Even one night I was going to call the police just because they were out there having a really loud, crazy argument. And I could tell we were listening to them. We were literally crouched behind our car nice. so they couldn't see us because we had just gotten home and could hear them screaming at each other. And, you know, it was obvious that one of the guys was like heartbroken over something. It seemed like one of his friends had like cheated with his girlfriend or something like that. Wow. And he just kept yelling like, I'm going to kill myself. And clearly all of them were wasted. And then I could tell he was getting into his car mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit, this guy's going to like drive drunk out of the neighborhood. Right. So we were kind of like, should we call the police? And then I was like, no. Cause I'm like, what if they see the police? Like what if the police come to our house to talk mm-hmm. to us and they see that somebody in our house mm-hmm. called the police on them right. and somebody gets in trouble, loses yep. their license or gets arrested. And yep. then they try to come after me and it's all your fault. Yeah. So I was just like, fuck it. It's going to happen to Mikio. Yeah. Don't fuck with skateboarders, I guess. Damn. That's rough. Wow. Yeah. So, My story is not quite that dramatic. <laughs> There's no murder of an entire family, but damn. Yeah. So that's it. That's one of the most famous murder cases in wow. Japan. 
change they they change the statute of limitation just for this murder case. It's, I mean, that's a good thing. It's a big thing, but I I think it's strange that they have never found yeah anything about it. It's kind of disheartening. You could leave by behind that much evidence and still not get caught. Like, what if this dude who killed this whole family? Like, since I've grown up watching skateboarding so much, there's tons of just sort of like random one-off people who will be in a skate video and just have like one or two tricks. Yeah. So what if I've seen the murderer of the Setagaya family in a skate video, just like one you know quick little. Yeah. Quick little clip. It's very possible. You could have. It's crazy. Because you could have been traveling to LA too. You could have been living in Korea. Could have been traveling to Japan to skate, traveling to LA. Oh, damn. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's it. That's, that's the nuts. Setagaya and or Miyazawa family murders. Wow. That's going to stick in my brain for a while. Yeah. I think. It's a good one. Well. Wow. It's an interesting one. It's not it's, good. There's <laughs> nothing say. good about it. Yeah. I know. Like even I... I'm going to be making a post on our Instagram soon about like, what's your favorite unsolved murder? And then I was like, like favorite seems like a rough choice of words. What's the most interesting? Yeah. Most interesting, the most confounding, but that, yeah, it definitely seems like it was a skater though. I think so. And yeah, probably somebody fairly young, which I did not, I did not realize it was going to take the skateboarding turn when I got into it. No. Yeah. Little known fact to listeners. Gray used to have a half pipe in the backyard. I did. It was pretty cool. Actually. It makes me sound way better at skateboarding than I really am. Yeah. But I was really into it. I, mean, I don't know anything Still about am. it, so you could have been good. I was not. It's not even okay. I was really trying. It's okay. But still into the culture. But you had a cool half pipe. Yeah. I've That's... never not paid attention to skateboarding since I got into skateboarding. Yeah. It seems like a cool, cool thing. Oh, yeah. It's good. I'm going to teach my son how to skateboard, too. It teaches you all about perseverance. Uh, you got to, you know, get back up. And when you fall down, yeah, nobody's going to do things for you. You just got to get out there and put in the time to learn how to do something. There you go. Good, good life values. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you didn't know, Gray's expecting a son. Yeah. It's going to be super cool. Baby Fox. Baby Fox. Named after Fox Mulder. <sighs> Anybody listening to this podcast will appreciate that. They will appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yeah. So that's, uh, Damn. that's it. Jeez. Got to like digest that. Yeah. But now we're going to dive into this. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Here we go. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so part two. Here we go. The boy in the chimney. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I got to say you telling your thing. So, you know, whenever you read any of these stories of missing people or murders or whatever, there's always a lot of setting up the character of the person or how they looked or where they lived. And it sometimes it feels like it's not necessary information. Right. But I... As I was making my, my notes, I was kind of like, is all of this really necessary? I mean, there's not that much, but I'm like, do they really need to know all this? Mm-hmm. But then listening to you tell yours, I was like, oh, this is really like painting a picture in my head oh, yeah. of just who this family was. Like I could, I can like picture the park weirdly, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm sure it's completely inaccurate, but still, I just had still. this vision of everything. So it, yeah, it's helpful. So, okay. Joshua Maddox. Okay. Um, 18 year old boy. Right. Living in Woodland Park, Colorado. Okay. It's about 88 miles south of Denver. Strangely enough, we just talked about Denver. Not connected at all. Most well, likely, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Could be. Um, so he's very free-spirited, nature-loving. Um, he's really into music, does a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of long, like, shoulder-length hair. Sort of, yeah. Pull out just, an acoustic guitar at a party. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Um, so he... Six feet tall, 150 pounds. Yeah, he's a very creative guy. He was known to be like a bright student. Everybody liked him. He was well known. Hmm. Um, his parents were divorced, so he lived with his father, Mike, and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. 
Okay. okay. So there's in this small, you know, kind of town surrounded by woods. What, Seems like a relatively small town. Um, oh, this is 2008. Okay. Okay. So May 8th, 2008, he leaves the house. He had casually told his sister Kate that he was going for a walk, which was completely standard for him. He went on a lot of solo walks and hikes. He again, loved being outdoors. Hmm. Not a weird thing at all. Um, he didn't come home that night. Again, family was worried, but not distraught at that point. They're like, okay, he's 18. He's he's 18. Who knows what he's up to? Um, but several days later on May 13th, his father officially called the police to report him missing. He had not come home, no contact from him whatsoever. Hmm. So they're starting to really get worried. Um, I could never really figure out what the actual scope as far as like the police involvement and like search teams went, but there was a lot of mentioning of like they searched the neighborhood and the surrounding areas for weeks into hmm. months. Like, I don't know if that was official police searching and volunteer searching or if that was more referring to the family. Right. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm sure the police did some searching, but I hope so. Yeah. No clues were uncovered. Like they found nothing about this kid. Wow. Um, his father in particular, apparently like was scouring homeless shelters, campgrounds nearby. They were just like, where did this kid go? Um, it's crazy. Never found anything. His sister, Kate would, uh, say, has she always held out hope that he had just skipped town and run away essentially. Hmm. Um, one of her quotes was since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have always chosen to believe that this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so that they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Hmm. Um, Which some people, it seemed like when I was reading about this story, there were like a lot of Reddit threads and stuff about it. And people were like, that seems like a weird thing for them to just assume to me that did not play out. Like he just disappeared and they never did anything. And we're just like, he probably ran away. Like clearly they reported him missing, found nothing. And And this was just what they were choosing to believe instead of thinking that their son was like best case scenario. Yeah. Like Like, I hope that please just let him have just left. Yeah. That makes sense to me again. Like them finding nothing, like no sign of anything, no sign of, like people spotting him anywhere, no sign of murder. It was just like, right. Vanished. Can't even imagine. Um, so I can see that that was like for them to get through this, they had to be like, hopefully he just went and he's happy somewhere. Right. Um, they had no reason to believe that he would have been in trouble. Um, as far as they knew, like he didn't have any sketchy friends. Right. The one thing that was like kind of a weird thing was they, had no concerns about his mental health. Although his older brother, Zachary had committed suicide just two years before that Wow! in like June of 2006, I think it was hmm. um, just before his brother, Zachary's graduation. He killed himself. That's a pretty big thing. That's a huge thing. Wait, so it was his older brother, his older brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Yeah. That's huge. Wow. Um, yeah. It seemed like his brother must've only been a couple of years older than him. If he was about to graduate high school and then Joshua went missing when he was 18. Wow. I wonder if he ever got like counseling for it or anything like that because yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing lot. that can fester in oh, your yeah. brain if you don't kind of let it, if you don't talk to the right people about it. Yeah. Wow. And there, there were no details. I, I'm sure maybe I could have dug and found it, but I didn't, nothing that I read said how the brother committed suicide hmm. or what this, I mean, that could play a factor too, depending, right. I'm sure different types of 
different methods of suicide could affect people more than others too. Oh yeah. But just the, I mean, I can't imagine that either. No, it's crazy. So, but they said his father, Mike said, uh, quote, I buried his older brother two years before and it was so difficult on Josh when his brother died, it pushed him over the edge. It was a big shock for the family and a big shock for Josh, which pushing over the edge was an interesting thing to say. Um, so, you know, maybe that was part of their wishful thinking was like, maybe he just was still upset and just couldn't be around this place anymore or the family anymore and just wanted to leave. I could totally see that. Yeah. Like he just was like, I can't do this. Um, but yeah, his family allegedly felt that he was doing well and was happy around the time he disappeared. So they had no reason. The police had no reason to suspect any criminal activity. So they just listed him as a missing person. Right. Um, so his father, Mike, I guess, at some point they moved, um, but his father retained ownership of the family home just in case Josh ever returned. They knew that if he came back that he would go to that house and he wanted to be able to get in touch with them. So that sucks. Like you got to hold on to that. Like you can't just like leave that house behind. Like yeah. you have to keep, that's crazy. And just, yeah, just hope that maybe mm-hmm. someday somehow I'm actually, I'm surprised. I think trying to think about that. I mean, I could see that you wouldn't want to stay there as well. Right. But I think I'd have a hard time leaving that house. Cause I'd always wonder like, what if he did come back right. and couldn't find us? Mm-hmm. That would suck. Cause oh, yeah, yeah, you'd have, how would you have any idea where your family went? But you'd like want to leave cause that's your, you know, the second tragedy in that home. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that that would just be too much. Um, so fast forward seven years, it's now 2015, a local builder named Chuck Murphy. Um, so he's from nearby Colorado Springs. He had a like old wood cabin in Woodland Park, sat on a large patch of land surrounded by tall pines and hadn't been used for like 10 years. Hmm. Um, apparently his Chuck's brother had lived in the cabin until 2005. So a few years before Josh went missing, Mm -hmm. but he moved out that year and it basically just became like a storage facility for Chuck and he never went there or he'd pop in once in a great while, but just like to make sure that it like hadn't burned down essentially. Right. He wasn't really doing anything there. So some point 2015, he decides, you know what? I'm going to tear this place down. I guess there was like a property development happening and he, whatever. Mm -hmm. So in August, 2015, he, they started the process of demolishing the house um, they had had issues with like animals getting into the house. It was in some state of disrepair. Right. So I guess a couple times that he had stopped by, there had been a strong stench that Ooh. he had not dug into because he's like probably some fucking raccoon died in here. Mm-hmm. Um, was Jeez. not a raccoon. So they are starting to dismantle the chimney and they made the horrifying discovery of a body of a young man cramped into the fetal position with his legs above his head in the chimney. Oh God. Yeah. So again, this had been, seven years since he went missing. So this was a badly decomposed body. It was unclear in the, so most of those articles that I found had basically the same exact info. Right. I was very frustrated that I couldn't find more. So I don't really know, not an expert on body (laughs) decomposition. I don't know seven years in a place like Colorado in a chimney. How does a body decompose? Did they find like a mummified body? Right. Was it just bones? I don't know. seems like it would, mostly be bones right but if they knew that he was in the fetal position upside down then it wouldn't just be like a pile of bones exactly yeah i'm like seems like he was still constructed (laughs) is that a horrible word to use no i mean he was still like paints a picture you know together if we're gonna i mean i obviously don't know the details but just going based off that if he's head down in the fetal position Mm. 
what an awful way to fall into a chimney. I know. Like if you get, if you like, presumably if he fell in there and got stuck, what a shitty way to get stuck in a so chimney. We'll address that. We'll get there. I'm we'll sure, get but there. God. Okay. So he calls the police. Chuck does. Um, they arrive at the coroner. They get the help of a forensic odontologist. They use dental records and basically prove that it's Josh. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Um, he's less than a mile from his family home, by the oh. way. He's like, I mean, one of the, some, several of the articles said he was a few blocks away. Jesus. I wonder how many times they walked by that cabin. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think when they, even when they searched, like they had just had no reason to think that anybody was in there. Right. So they never checked it out. But like, and chances are, I mean, presuming that he got into that chimney somehow, like the day he went missing, probably by the time even they reported him missing five mm-hmm. days later, he may have already been dead. Right. So even if they had somehow searched that house and smelled it, he probably would have already been dead. Jeez. But still just knowing that he was that close. Um, terrible. So Al Bourne is the Teller County coroner. He performed an autopsy, found no evidence of any drugs in his system. Um, Talking to the press, he stated, quote, the hard tissue, which, side note, I believe is just like bones. Okay. As far as I understood. Um, Hard tissue showed no signs of trauma. There were no broken bones, no knife marks. There were no bullet holes. There's so far no answers to a number of things. It is very confusing. Um, End quote. The cabin Hmm. itself had never been searched. Yeah, it didn't seem to be of any interest. It was off the road about 50 feet on like a large plot of land and surrounded by these tall trees. So... Hmm. With no homes nearby, it's assumed that even, like, if he had gotten in, if he was alive when he was in the chimney, if he had yelled for help, nobody would have heard him anyways. Oh, sucks. It sucks for so many reasons. Bleak. So, the coroner said, quote, it was not an instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks, which um, I was confused by that. How do they, I mean, if they didn't find him for seven years, how do they know it didn't take him weeks to die? Right. Like Unless, like, maybe his position showed that. Right? I don't know. I have no idea. So I, I was like very confused reading that. Like, how do you know, bro? You didn't yeah. find him <laughs> a know, week bro? later. So like, bro, Alborn, got some answers you need to give me. Um, continuing quote. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days. And the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one came first. So again, based on their conclusion, I guess, of like no basically no knife marks and no bullet holes, I guess is that he didn't get murdered, which I think is maybe a little quick to speculate, but whatever. Yeah. Um, September 28th, 2015. So shortly after, um, they failed to find any rational cause. So Alborn made a ruling of accidental death. Hmm. He posited that Josh had climbed down the chimney and became lodged in the brickwork with the likely cause of death being hypothermia as the temperature around the time of his disappearance had dropped to like 21 degrees hmm. Fahrenheit. Um, but Chuck Murphy, the owner of the cabin, was not satisfied. Whoa. He immediately questioned the coroner's conclusion. He said that Josh's position in the chimney, quote, appeared to have been a voluntary act in order to gain access. That's what the coroner said. Um, but Chuck made a testimony stating that this would have been impossible. He said the chimney had been built 20 years prior and during its construction it had been fitted with a steel rebar and thick wire mesh hung from steel hooks that was used to keep animals and like debris out of the chimney. Right. Which uh, Chuck said he installed it across the chimney about one row of bricks from the top because they didn't want like raccoons and stuff. So presumably this was in the chimney, like not so far down that you could get in and be like, oh, shit. Right. This was like right at the top. So also if you have an abandoned cabin in the woods, 
Yeah. Break a fucking window. Like you're not going right. to like climb through a chair. Like it's way too much effort yeah. to get into a, an abandoned cabin. Right. Like it's nowhere near any other houses presumably. So it's not like you have to be careful about somebody hearing you breaking in. Right. If you really just wanted to get in the cabin, like Jimmy, the door open. Oh yeah. Break a window. Like so many other ways to yeah. get in there. Kick in like a window and get down the basement or something like do something else. That would be the absolute last thing I would do. I would no, yeah. not even, I just wouldn't ever do no. that. I told Nate, my husband today, husband comment was for you listeners, not Greg, yeah. but yeah. I told Nate today that, cause I've been just talking at him about this, this particular case. Cause oh, he yeah. doesn't really care about this stuff. Yeah. So I'm basically just like talking through my own thoughts yeah. at him, at like his, like, board. his body. And I just, I was glancing out the window at a house across the street and their chimney. And I'm like, the only way I'd go down a chimney is maybe to save a loved one. Yes. If that was the only option was like, you have to right. go down this chimney because like your son is down there and he's dying. And even then I'd be like, so yeah, is there another, can I go around it? Like, yeah, I'd be like, it's gotta be some other way. Like yeah. I will find a way to cut through like the outer wall of the house mm-hmm. before I will. Chimney down. Yeah. yeah. And then it reminded me of, um, there was somebody who had, I don't remember the exact story, but some guy had, you know, the people who go into those, like, I, I want to call it a cave, but I don't think it's quite a cave, but the caves that have really tiny, narrow entryways where you really have to like uh, shimmy your body into it. Yep. Some dude had done that somewhere and gotten mm-hmm. stuck. Oh yeah. Far enough down that they couldn't, they couldn't get him out. They just couldn't do they shit. They just like sedated him. Yeah. So he would just slowly die. Like one of the worst stories I've ever heard. Worst case scenario. Yeah. So that's all I would think of if I was ever considering in some fragile state of mind to go down a chimney Yep. would be like, do I really want to get stuck in there? Right. No. That's weird. Okay, so that that mesh stuff is at the top. Yeah, so that's so he would have had to really want to get in that chimney. That's my thought. So again, lack of information. I could not figure out like, is this a type of thing that is just like you could just like I'm assuming it's heavy, regardless. Right. But is this something that you can just take off and set aside if you were to get wanted to get down there and you could put it back on, or is this like installed in such a way that you can't get it off? Right. I don't know. That's the question. So that would be important to know because one of, I mean, so that part of the thing reminded me of the Elisa lamb mm-hmm. yeah. story mm-hmm. was like, yes, maybe it's possible that somebody could have taken this heavy metal mesh off of the top of the chimney and climbed in, but then like getting themselves in the chimney to like grab it again and put it back on like a, hey, why right. would you do that? Like oh, who's, so it was back on after it was back on. Supposedly <sighs> Chuck Murphy said that when they started the, demolition that they took it off of the top of the chimney so as far as he was concerned it had been there hmm. in place where it should be and but he seemed to think it was like impossible for me to get in there so my thought is maybe it was not even something you could remove wow. but maybe it was i don't know so that's a big question mark but again like yeah if you were going to climb in there it's not like it's who would notice that anyways but there's nobody right. nearby so it's not like somebody's going to walk by and be like wait a second Somebody climbed on that chimney. Like right. nobody would see that. So what would be your reason hmm. for even replacing it? If you were breaking into the house, right. why would you bother to like, I'm picturing his body half wedged in the chimney to like grab it and like put it back right. on. As well, you if go he was, down, and why? if he was face down, there's almost no way he could do that. Wait. Yeah. So that makes no sense. Huh. So the coroner basically like, yeah, Chuck Murphy is like, dude, no, there's this mesh on the chimney. And the coroner was like, well, we didn't see that. And... <laughs> But Chuck said, yeah, when they were doing the demolition, they had all the metalwork collected and stashed because they were going to um, take it for scrap. Mm-hmm. So that's why it wasn't in the photos of the, I guess not crime scene, but death scene, whatever the hell you call that. Right. Um, and also another interesting thing 
like these three points are just like each one is like what right the next one is that there was a large wooden breakfast bar that had been against a wall in the kitchen of this cabin and it had been again different stories said different things some of them were just like it was just moved and some said it had been ripped off the wall Hmm. but either way it was moved from its place in the kitchen where chuck murphy had had it and had no reason to move it right and it was over blocking the chimney from inside the cabin Oh, weird. Yeah. So, yeah, this big wooden bar, like, whatever, pushed against the chimney from inside. So, that's weird. Um, Yeah, his body had been found in the fetal position with his legs above his head. And so, he would have had to enter head first, which even the coroner himself commented that he thought it would have taken two people to do that. Um, And one final concern. So, he's, his body is found with just a thin thermal shirt on, which Mm -hmm. is unusual in itself, again, Around the time he went missing, it was getting to like 20 degrees at night. Jeez. Um, but his clothes have been found inside the cabin folded up next to the fireplace. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, the coroner said, quote, this one really taxed our brains. Like, really? Yeah, uh, we found his clothing just outside the firebox. He only had on a thermal T-shirt. We don't know why he took his clothes off, took his shoes and socks off, and why he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney. It was not linear thinking, which, okay. I'll give him that. That's not linear thinking. It's not linear thinking, and you're you're not linear thinking. Clearly, he's not. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, oh, pff, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, that's that's fucking weird, but yeah. definitely an accident. Um, So, I guess Murphy, the owner of the cabin, like, made a big deal. And so, the coroner basically, like, conceded to him and reopened the case a few days after his initial conclusion, but then he still gave the same conclusion. Even after that was just like accident. Hmm. Um, and Murphy like once again was like, there's no way that guy crawled inside the chimney. Um, so on top of that, there was also apparently several calls made to both the police and the coroner's office, suggesting leads, um, and naming suspects, including one guy that had supposedly bragged about killing Josh had said that he put him in a hole Hmm. quote, quote, Um, one main suspect was at the time spending time in a Texas jail after previous jail time in Seattle and Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon Mm -hmm. with a long list of criminal behavior. The tips told the coroner, um, of how this criminal guy was apparently the last man to have been seen with Josh, but basically they couldn't place him at the crime scene. So there was just no, there's no way that they could have brought him in seven years later. Yeah. Well, yeah. Seven years later too. Um, and so then in 2015, again, the same year that he was found, there was a post on Reddit, of course, which read as though it was made by one of the people who had called into the coroner's office, once again, naming this guy, this criminal, um, giving a name to the suspect, finally, um, which I don't remember what his full name was, but Andy, hmm. um, and saying that Josh had started hanging out with him shortly before he went missing. They had gone to the same high school. Um, and then Josh went missing. Hmm. So this suspect, Andy had apparently previously stabbed someone to death down in New Mexico. And when he got arrested, told the police that he had also killed a woman in Taos, New Mexico and stuffed her body in a barrel. Again, like from the things that I was reading, it was unclear whether he like stabbed somebody and was like caught and got arrested or, somebody got stabbed and he got taken in for it and questioned and then was like, yeah, I also killed this other chick. Why would you cop to that? And apparently they had actually found a woman stuffed in a barrel in Taos, but they already had someone else in custody. And so they Hmm. were charging them, I guess like, I don't know. So I don't know if this guy is just 
talking out his ass saying he did this stuff and he didn't. Hmm. It was like the stories were very, a lot of the stories were conflicting as far as like whether he did that shit for real or did he just say he did it either way, seemingly unstable guy. Right. And either way, like no solid proof that Josh actually hung out with him, Hmm. whatever. So as frustrating as your case was, that's again, all there is. That's it. That's it. So just, okay. So four theories essentially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, this story fucks me up so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone on Reddit actually mentioned this theory, um, a psycho friend theory. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Reddit user JD2018. Nice. <laughs> if you're somehow listening. Shouts out. Uh, so I can kind of get behind this. The theory basically is that Josh and this psycho friend, whether it's Andy or somebody else, meet at the cabin knowing it was empty. Um, they had either a voluntary or involuntary sexual encounter. Hence the fact that he's naked from the waist down. Um, and then the friend forced him in the chimney from inside the cabin and blocked the way out with the breakfast bar and left. So maybe Josh tried to climb up the chimney from the inside with his like back pushed up against the wall and like, you know, back and then feet and tried to like shimmy his way up, but then couldn't get out because of the rebar and Hmm. died up there. Like maybe just got wedged and couldn't get himself back down. I can like buy the first part of that, but I don't understand how, unless he was otherwise incapacitated, like somebody puts you in a chimney. How do you not get out before they drag a heavy bar over right. to block your way? Forcing you into a chimney is, would right. not be an easy feat. No, like that's not something that you could just like do. No. Cause you got to like get somebody in there. I mean, yeah, you got to get them in there far enough. And then like, that didn't make it sense to me. That doesn't, I don't buy that. No. So then the other thought is I'm like, I was just snowballing from that. Mm-hmm. Was he in the cabin with Andy or some other psycho friend? Psycho friend. Um, and Andy, for whatever reason, thought he killed him. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was anger over something like they were fighting about something. Maybe the psycho friend was like in some drug induced state. Mm -hmm. Maybe Josh rejected a sexual advance. Mm -hmm. Hence like the nakedness. Like maybe they started the process of like, they're going to do something. And then Josh was like, no. And he got pissed. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe the psycho friend was attempting like a thrill kill. Right. And like basically killed him for one of those many reasons and put him in the fireplace and blocked it to like prevent him from being found. Hmm. But maybe he wasn't actually dead. Maybe he didn't succeed in killing him. So you put him in there and like blocked it and was like, shit, like hopefully if somebody comes by, they won't find him right away. Ran hmm. off to New Mexico. Yeah. And I still feel like that would be still try to climb out. Very difficult right. to lift dead weight. Put it into put a human into a fetal position or stuff someone up into a chimney like that would not. Well, so that was my thing is that so several people had mentioned that like that somebody put him in the chimney from inside, which I don't think necessarily they like because I don't even know the physics of that make no sense to me how you could like get no. somebody up a chimney from like the bottom. Them in, yeah. But maybe just that today like he put him in the the fireplace. I guess maybe I used the word chimney. I meant fireplace. Oh, and, then like, he, and then he wasn't the actually fireplace. dead. Yeah, woke up. Tried he to thought get he out. was dead. Put him in there like. Hopefully, if somebody comes by, they won't see him right away. It'll take a while for somebody to find him. The cabin's empty anyways. But maybe Josh wasn't dead, came to, and then Josh couldn't get out of the fireplace because the bar was in the way. Interesting. And so he tried to shimmy up the fire or the chimney and couldn't get out hmm. and then died. I can buy that. Um, another thought is they he went to the cabin with somebody, Andy or somebody else, to do drugs. And the friend thought that Josh had OD'd. Mm-hmm. Same type of idea. Put him in the 
fireplace right to like hide the body in case he was like implicated or blamed for his death right and again he didn't actually od he wasn't dead i can see how that i've heard stories of people ODing or coming close to ODing, i guess and like very right. shallow breathing or whatever or you just panic yeah, yeah somebody's like not coming to and you're just like fuck he's dead mm-hmm. and put him in the fireplace this is like opiate epidemic yeah. he has a he has a history of trauma it would make sense that he was turning to drugs to numb the pain right And so the friend panics, puts him in the fireplace, again, blocks Hmm. the thing. Like the folded up clothes is still a weird, weird like thing in most of these, unless there was some. Maybe they like did drugs and they were, they either had sex or were going to have sex and then ODs. Yeah. Skips out of there. Yeah. So yeah, put him in there. And then once again, he didn't OD, woke up, tried to escape Mm -hmm. and failed. Or the last option is somebody again on Reddit suggested hypothermia. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't completely buy this only because he was so close to home, but perhaps he became disoriented while walking around. He saw the cabin, went in to like warm up. He, the paradoxical undressing, mm-hmm. I was like thinking of that. the clothes were like folded though, which doesn't really support that. Like yeah. I don't see that if you were in a state of hypothermia and you're confused that you would like take off your clothes and fold them. Mm-hmm. Um, but paradoxical undressing leaves the cabin to like maybe cool off to go outside gets locked out and then goes like up and down the chimney. But again, I don't know what the state, especially in that state, if this was a situation where you had to take the mesh off and then put it back on, if you were like confused and hypothermic, right? You really going to, and you're desperate, like I got to get back in there. Are you going to put that like stuff back on the chimney? Probably not. Right. Hmm. So like just nothing fucking makes sense. And so weird side note before we talk more about theories is as I researched this, so this just happened because I remember re- like looking up this story maybe a month ago or two months ago. Right. And it was all this case. But when I was Googling this past couple of weeks, um, there's a 14 year old boy who just recently went missing in December in Ohio and was found shortly after in the chimney of an unoccupied summer home that was being remodeled. Whoa. How crazy is that? They had previously searched houses, but like didn't find any leads. They went back to re-canvas and found this kid and concluded that he had gone to the roof and attempted to enter the house and got stuck and like died of compressive asphyxia. That's awful. Which sucks. Um, Weirdly too. So yeah, he got stuck because uh, between the second floor and the first floor, the chimney was blocked. So he like had gotten down like that far to the second floor, whatever, and then like couldn't get further down. So he died jesus kids if you're listening stay the fuck away from chimneys yeah just stay away from the chimney god but it freaked me out because they said i remember they said that his glasses and something else were found in the house and i was like what like same story right but it seemed like they thought that the glasses and stuff had like fallen off of him and like down yeah just bounced out of the fireplace but (sighs) yeah wow fucked up so i have no fucking idea Hmm. and obviously nobody has been charge in this case there's like no leads whatsoever it's not even necessarily murder no it's not even necessarily a murder wow. and the one closest lead that guy andy again there's nothing to tie him there mm-hmm. besides people saying that they saw him with him but there's no i mean that could he could have been seen with him and he might not have been involved right interesting yeah so so here's here are my thoughts so okay <laughs> so this this cabin is close to his parents house yeah i'm sure that um that cabin was known to him before this night yeah i'm sure it was probably a place where he went especially if he knew like oh yeah these people are never home that's like an abandoned cabin i'm sure he would go there a lot um 
you know, like in being like a teenager, you probably went there to go do drugs or smoke weed or yeah. drink or do, you know what I mean? Like hang out with people or like, it was just a place to go to like clear his head and like hang out and like a place to not be with his family basically. Yeah. Um, I would say like, what if you went there to do like mushrooms or something? Like you went to go do some like heavy hallucinogen or yeah. something uh, or like acid or something. And he was like, just trying to like, you know, work through whatever demons he had from the suicide of his brother what if he was on some crazy hallucinogen and in that moment thought like, oh man, I got to like get naked. And <laughs> yeah. they started to get naked and then just had the shirt on and he's like, oh shit, I have to like, I don't know, like maybe he tried to climb up the chimney because he thought it was a good idea or he was trying to like escape from something or. Yeah. I think he went up the chimney. Mm. I don't think he came down from the top of the chimney. Right. That seems way less likely to me because of the yeah. wire mesh. And just getting up there would be prohibitively difficult when it was probably, like we said, it would be easier to just go through a window or like Jimmy a door or something. Yeah. So I think he went up through the chimney. Um, I could see that he was with somebody and the whole like either OD or something mm-hmm. like that. And he, they put him in the chimney and moved that breakfast bar in front of it. What if he just like climbed up into the chimney cause he was on some crazy trip and got stuck in there yeah. and died without anybody there and the breakfast bar getting moved was unrelated. Could be. Like, what if, like, somebody came into that cabin and was like, oh, it smells awful. Like, what's coming from, like, the chimney? Yeah. Like, what if it's, it's probably just, like, a dead raccoon or something, and then they just, like, move the breakfast bar to, like, stop the smell or something? Right. I could see that or it just being, like, an unrelated detail that seems super relevant. Yeah. Like, somebody else popping into the cabin to, like, yeah. hang out in there was just like, oh. Yeah, because like, if it's an abandoned cabin in a, a neighborhood, I'm sure right. many people knew of it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's sort of like second most likely. I think most likely is that he was with somebody there yeah. and that situation where he either passed out or OD'd or something or they attacked him yeah, or something like maybe they were, maybe it was like innocuous. Maybe they were just having sex and he hit his head and they just like dragged him in there and then moved that breakfast bar in front of it to hide the body, but he wasn't actually dead. Yeah. Then he tries to climb up. I think ultimately though, he had to have climbed into the chimney, Mm. probably got to the top, found the mesh, somehow was able to turn himself around in there, which is like awful to think about, tried to get back down. And then maybe he like slipped down while he was going down and got wedged. Yep. Then ended up in the fetal position and suffocated. It sucks so much. That's the thing too, is I I would imagine, again, I don't know, but they didn't mention the possibility of him dying from that compressive asphyxia, which I would think Mm. could have very much been a possibility too. Right. Beside just the hypothermia or the starvation or dehydration, like right. couldn't he have just asphyxiated? Right. Maybe with it being so with this particular 14 year old that happened recently, like because they found his body, I think like within a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. maybe they could just tell that more. But maybe if it yeah. was mostly bones with right. Josh, maybe they just couldn't tell. But I, I'm surprised that that wasn't mentioned. Just it seems like likely that would be more likely than anything else. But, but God, either way. Another weird thing, though, is like the folded clothes. Like yeah. if it's just his clothes were in there, that's one thing. Because like if you're about to have sex with somebody, you're not going to like take your clothes off and like neatly fold them and then set them down. You're right. going to like rip your clothes off and then have sex. Yeah. So it's weird that they were like neatly folded. That's a weird detail. I know. And then he would leave his like thermal shirt on. Yeah. That's not a good look, dude. If you're trying to like have sex with somebody, nobody's going to be like, damn, that thermal shirt. Yeah. That thin thermal is yeah. like so, so practical for this cold weather. And right. yet you're so agile. And yet you're naked from the like waist. Down. It just doesn't, that doesn't make, that doesn't track very well either. I know. Yeah. It seems almost like the behavior of somebody who's on drugs. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe they were like fucked and maybe he was fucked up on like meth or something. Yeah. 
and, you know, kind of like paradoxical undressing and right. like just ripped enough clothes off and like climbed up in the chimney. Yeah. I don't know. I know. It's like everything you think of. And yeah, if you're assuming, and that's the thing, you don't know, assuming that everything is linked, that like the clothes and the breakfast bar are all right. linked together. Cause yeah, the breakfast bar might not be, but if you're assuming it is, then that even takes away some of the credibility of those theories. Cause it's like, if he was on drugs again, like I don't see how you could possibly, you could pull the bar off the wall, mm-hmm. bring it over. But then like, once you get in the fireplace, how do you pull it against the fireplace right. when you're in it? That seems like it wouldn't be at the very least would be very difficult if not impossible. Right. So then like that definitely feels like somebody was there. So I like, it sucks cause I feel like somebody knows. I think there's somebody out there who knows somebody was there. Somebody knows what happened to him. And maybe it wasn't necessarily like, I don't necessarily think that he was murdered No, in the sense, but I do think that somebody, if somebody didn't kill him, they at least were there when he died. Right. Like participated in his death in some way. In some way. Yeah. Cause either, either he was dead and they put him in there. Well, yeah, he wasn't definitely wasn't dead when he went in the fireplace. So no matter what, somebody either trapped him in there on purpose Mm -hmm. as like a fun joke, which is disturbing Mm -hmm. or, yeah, thought he was dead and put him in there to hide him. Right. But either way, they're essentially responsible for his death because mm-hmm. he, he died. died. <laughs> so that sucks. Wow. Yeah. So it's just been like baffling. I just keep thinking like there's got to be some, but there's just not, I think maybe because it was never suspected to be a murder. I don't think there was quite as much of an investigation as there would have been if they had like, right. If there had been evidence of somebody else there, if they had, and yeah, seven years like, later, there's going to be so much contamination at that crime scene. You're oh, never yeah. going to be able to know. And that's no. the thing in seven years, like somebody could have gone in there and moved the breakfast bar or yeah. maybe somebody even like found his clothes in there and like folded them later. Maybe they that's weren't true. folded. Like that could have been somebody just doing that for fucking un- some unknown reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this would be a lot more. I mean, I'm sure it would have been figured out if he had been found like in that week or two. Oh yeah. They probably would have figured out somehow how he died, but because mm-hmm. it was so far, yeah, you just don't know. Right. I wonder if they did a talk screen. Like if there was enough like. They said that they did. And there was no And nothing drugs. was found. But. Hmm. Some drugs metabolize really fast. Again. I, yeah. I'm not an expert on that. <laughs> but from what I read on Reddit, which is clearly a very reliable source of, of course, any information. Of the internet. Um, people said that, yeah, like after that long of a time, like there, it's not 100%. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing found. And same thing with like them not finding bullet holes or markings on the bones like that doesn't mean that he wasn't murdered right you could get shot and like by luck the bullet doesn't hit any bones true and like i I would think maybe you could be like strangled to death and not have anything broken like Mm -hmm. there's gotta be ways that you can die that don't (laughs) cause knife marks on your bones or bullet holes right and again it's just been so long that they just don't know Hmm. so yeah it's wild so that's the boy in the chimney it's a good story fucked me up well, I mean, it's not just a story. Right. Somebody died. Yeah, it's real sad. You can, like, go see his grave Oof. at, I think it's, like, Woodland Park Cemetery Jeez. in Colorado. There was, like, a picture of his tombstone. It was rough. See, that would not, I would totally go to, like, the Summerton Man's right? grave, but I yeah, don't think I would I go to because that just seems too, like, personal. It, yeah, it's too personal and too sad. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. So, if anybody has any theories about either of these. Hit us up. Hit us up. I would love to hear. Yeah, if you know any cool additional stories or details or just have an idea that we don't have let us know comment yeah check us Send out on us instagram yeah check us out on patreon please do this is potentially going to be a video version we don't know yet we don't know we'll we're see. trying it out see if the camera 
kept recording because it sounded like it made a noise a it little did bit ago. something yeah if it kept recording there is like gonna be a moment of it making that noise and me looking scared at it <laughs> because i was like oh shit but but yeah someday soon yep so yeah here we go so also let us know what you prefer do you like the episodes where we both talk about the same thing? Mm-hmm. Do you like these, as Gray called it earlier, double features? Yeah. Um, I like the double feature. Me too. I just learned about a new thing. Right. And I just learned about a new cool. thing as well. Yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah. Let us know what you like. We're probably going to, you know, mix these in here and there. But if you want to see more like this, we have tons of options. Oh, yeah. If you saw our Instagram stories recently, we literally have 10 pages, I think, worth of topics at this point. Oh, yeah. So topics for days for days for years hopefully yeah yeah so i think that's it that's it that's all i got all right well this has been unknowable love you